O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, September 15th. The Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur, is rapidly coming upon us. This year it will be observed from Friday night, sundown, September 17th, and all day Saturday, September 18th. The Bible tells us the following about the Day of Atonement, from Leviticus 23, 26-32. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening. You shall celebrate your Sabbath. The major themes associated with Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, are It is known as the Day of Atonement. This is the day that the God of Israel would forgive the sins of his people in a national way. It is known as face-to-face. This is an idiomatic expression for being in His presence. It is the day, and is recognized as the holiest day in the year. It is known as the fast, a day that we afflict our souls. It is known as the great shofar. It is known as nila, the closing of the gates of heaven. Yom Kippur is the day when white garments were worn by the high priests. What is the deeper spiritual meaning? White garments are associated with purity, holiness, and with our sins being forgiven. As it is written in Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Yeshua is our great high priest, and he lives to ever intercede for us, as it is written in Hebrews 7.22 and 25. By so much more... Yeshua has become a surety of a better covenant. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The blood of Yeshua takes away our sins. The blood of the Messiah reconciles us to the Father. The blood of Messiah gives us eternal redemption. The blood is what brings remission of sin. Sin is purged with the shedding of blood. 
as it is written in Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion for Day of Atonement. Isaiah 57, 14-21 God says, Rebuild the road, clear away the rocks and stones, so my people can return from captivity. The High and Lofty One who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. For I will not fight against you forever. I will not always be angry. If I were, all people would pass away, all the souls I have made. I was angry, so I punished these greedy people. I withdrew from them, but they kept going on their own stubborn way. I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. But those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. Isaiah 19, 1-21-17 This message came to me, Isaiah, concerning Egypt. Look, the Lord is advancing against Egypt, riding on a swift cloud. The idols of Egypt tremble. The hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. I will make Egyptian fight against Egyptian, brother against brother neighbor against neighbor, city against city, province against province. The Egyptians will lose heart, and I will confuse their plans. They will plead with their idols for wisdom and call on spirits, mediums, and those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will hand over Egypt over to a hard, cruel master. A fierce king will rule them, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Sabaot. The waters of the Nile will fail to rise and flood the fields. The riverbed will be parched and dry. The canals of the Nile will dry up, and the streams of Egypt will stink with rotting reeds and rushes. All the greenery along the riverbank and all the crops along the river will dry up and blow away. The fishermen will lament for lack of work. Those who cast hooks into the Nile will groan, and those who use nets will lose heart. There will be no flax for the harvesters, no thread for the weavers. They will be in despair, and all the workers will be sick at heart. What fools are the officials of Zoan! Their best counsel to the king of Egypt is stupid and wrong. Will they still boast to Pharaoh of their wisdom? Will they dare brag about all their wise ancestors? Where are your wise counselors, Pharaoh? Let them tell you what God plans what the Lord of Heaven's armies is going to do to Egypt. The officials of Zoan are fools, and the officials of Memphis are deluded. The leaders of the people have led Egypt astray. The Lord has sent a spirit of foolishness on them, so all their suggestions are wrong. 
They cause Egypt to stagger like a drunk in his vomit. There is nothing Egypt can do. All are helpless, the head and the tail, the noble palm branch and the lowly reed. In that day the Egyptians will be as weak as women. They will cower in fear beneath the upraised fist of the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot. Just to speak the name of Israel will terrorize them, for the Lord of Heaven's armies has laid out his plans against them. In that day, five of Egypt's cities will follow the Lord of Heaven's armies. They will even begin to speak Hebrew, the language of Canaan. One of these cities will be Heliopolis, the city of the sun. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt, and there will be a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness that the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, is worshipped in the land of Egypt. When the people cry to the Lord for help against those who oppress them, He will send them a Savior who will rescue them. The Lord will make known, make Himself known to the Egyptians. Yes, they will know the Lord and will give their sacrifices and offerings to Him. They will make a vow to the Lord and will keep it. The Lord will strike Egypt, and then He will bring healing. For the Egyptians will turn to the Lord, and He will listen to their pleas and heal them. In that day Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. The Egyptians and Assyrians will move freely between their lands, and they will both worship God. In that day Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. For the Lord of heaven's armies will say, Blessed be Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. In the year when King Sargon of Assyria sent his commander-in-chief to capture the Philistine city of Ashdod, the Lord told Isaiah, son of Amos, Take off the burlap you have been wearing and remove your sandals. Isaiah did as he was told and walked around naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, My servant Isaiah has been walking around naked and barefoot for the last three years. This is a sign, a symbol of the terrible troubles I will bring upon Egypt and Ethiopia. For the king of Assyria will take away the Egyptians and the Ethiopians as prisoners. He will make them walk naked and barefoot, both young and old, their buttocks bared, to the shame of Egypt. Then the Philistines will be thrown into panic, for they counted on the power of Ethiopia and boasted of their allies in Egypt. They will say, If this can happen to Egypt, What chance do we have? We were counting on Egypt to protect us from the king of Assyria. This message came to me concerning Babylon, the desert by the sea. Disaster is roaring down on you from the desert, like a whirlwind sweeping in from the Negev. I see a terrifying vision. I see the betrayer betraying, the destroyer destroying. Go ahead, you Elamites and Medes, attack and lay siege. I will make an end to all the groaning that Babylon caused. My stomach aches and burns with pain. Sharp pangs of anguish are upon me, like those of a woman in labor. I grow faint when I hear what God is planning. I am too afraid to look. My mind reels and my heart races. I longed for evening to come, but now I am terrified of the dark. Look, they are preparing a great feast. They are spreading rugs for people to sit on. Everyone is eating and drinking, but quick, grab your shields and prepare for battle. You are being attacked. Meanwhile, the Lord said to me, Put a watchman on the city wall. 
Let him shout out what he sees. He should look for chariots drawn by pairs of horses, and for riders on donkeys and camels. Let the watchman be fully alert. Then the watchman called out, Day after day I have stood on the watchtower, my lord. Night after night I have remained at my post. Now at last, look, here comes a man in a chariot with a pair of horses. Then the watchman said, Babylon has fallen, fallen. All the idols of Babylon lie broken on the ground. O my people, threshed and winnowed, I have told you everything the Lord of Heaven's armies has said, everything the God of Israel has told me. This message came to me concerning Edom. Someone from Edom keeps calling to me, Watchman, how much longer until morning? When will the night be over? The watchman replies, Morning is coming, but night will soon return. If you wish to ask again, then come back and ask. This message came to me concerning Arabia. O caravans from Dedan, hide in the deserts of Arabia. O people of Timah, bring water to these thirsty people, food to these weary refugees. They have fled from the sword, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow and terrors of battle. The Lord said to me, Within a year, counting each day, all the glory of Kedar will come to an end. Only a few of its courageous archers will survive. I, the Lord God of Israel, have spoken. Galatians 2, 1-16 Then fourteen years later I, Paul, went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones, really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Yeshua. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. 
But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles any more. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Yeshua, not by obeying the Torah. And we have believed in Yeshua so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Yeshua, not because we have obeyed the Torah. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Psalm 59, 1-17 Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord. Though I have not sinned or offended them, I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up. See what is happening and help me. O Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouths, their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us, they sneer. But, Lord, you laugh at them, you scoff at all the hostile nations. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me, for you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will let me look down in triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees, O Lord, our shield. Because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride their curses, and their lies. Destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. Then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. My enemies come out at night snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food but go to sleep, unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. O my strength, to you I sing praises, for you, O God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Proverbs 23, 13-14 Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. I'd like to speak to you today from Galatians chapter 2, and there's a couple of verses there that I want to expand upon it and uh, put it into a greater context and build upon it. So let's take a look at verse 15 
through 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Yeshua, not by obeying the Torah. And we have believed in Yeshua that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Yeshua, not because we have obeyed the Torah. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the Torah. So these verses can sometimes be misunderstood and misconstrued. And uh, you can, uh, some people in the church have taken this position of sloppy agape and greasy grace, where, okay, the Torah is done away with, Yeshua nailed it to the cross, we don't have, we're not under the law anymore, now we're under Christ, and I just follow Jesus, Yeshua, and I follow the Holy Spirit, and the law or the Torah is no longer relevant. Nothing could be further from the truth. So what did Paul mean by these verses then? Let's just expand upon it. First, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 36. And we'll start in verse 26, where it is written. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So this is talking about basically being born again, a new heart, a new spirit. He's going to put his spirit within us. What's the purpose of it? He puts his spirit within us to cause us to walk in his statutes and to keep his judgments. In other words, to follow the Torah. So once we're born again, because it is true, yes, we're not saved by just following the law. And if we try to follow the law and we're not born again, we don't have the spirit of God in us, we get a religious spirit. And the Torah is something external. It's a set of rules. And, um, you know, will fail every time. We cannot follow the law and keep the law in our own power and in our own strength. So this passage from Ezekiel 36 is talking about how God is going to give us a new heart and a new spirit for the purpose. Why? So we can follow his Torah, keep his statutes, and keep his judgments. Now the other passage I want to look at with you is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33 where it is written, Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, and with the house of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, also known as the Jews. So it's the whole house of Israel, both northern and southern kingdom, both Jew and non-Jew or Gentile. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says Yahweh. Verse 33, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahweh. I will put my Torah in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
So what is he saying he's going to do here? He's going to write his Torah upon our heart. And we no longer have a heart of stone. We have a heart of flesh. And so instead of the Torah being external, written on two stone tablets or written in a book, now the Torah is being written upon our heart. So what's the bottom line principle here? The bottom line is this. Yes, we are born again by faith in Yeshua, our Messiah. That's what makes us righteous. We come under the blood of Yeshua, and it's by faith that we come to know him and believe on him and follow him. Then, after we're born again and the Holy Spirit now resides within us by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are to follow his Torah. We're to keep his commands. We're to walk as Yeshua walked. So the Torah is not done away with. We're to follow the Torah and obey it in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.